Hey everyone, welcome back to Fearless as Fuck the Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Lauren. Today we are bringing on an incredible female entrepreneur. I have not had a guest on in a while to talk about entrepreneurship, especially from the female space. And I feel like today's guest is going to offer you a lot of insight into what it was really like during the entrepreneur journey to, you know, grinding towards your goals and coming from nothing and what the struggle is like to get there. I know that we can see so much on social media these days about what it's like to be successful, but there aren't a lot of people talking about the actual struggle of what it's like to get there. And if they are showing it, they might not be showing the full story. So I think it's really important to share stories of success, but also kind of cover what it took to get there. And I'm going to go ahead and read off Stella's bio because it is pretty incredible and then go ahead and let her introduce herself. But Stella and I actually met because we both work in the hair industry and both have over years and years of experience and have both come from a place of building from scratch. And she has been somebody who I've looked up to on social media to eventually wound up meeting through Instagram. And now I'm actually a client of her and her own stylist at her own salon. And just getting to meet her in person and hear this story was really inspirational to me. So whether you are a hairstylist or even maybe not even in the beauty industry, I think you will take a lot from hearing her story. But Stella is a driven and passionate leader, educator, and a serial entrepreneur. And I can definitely say I believe that now after meeting here. Um, business and life coach, salon owner, and wife. Her journey in the hair industry beginning in 2009, marked by her love for hairstyling and dedication to elevating the profession, Stella is the founder and owner of Comey Salon and Comey Education Systems. Her story is one of resilience and determination. Growing up in a family that immigrated from Greece, she experienced poverty and even homelessness. Despite these hardships, her parents worked tirelessly to provide for their family. This early life experience instilled in Stella a relentless drive to never live in poverty again. She pursued her career with career with intense work ethic combined with a lack of financial literacy, leading to burnout and financial instability. As a hairstylist, Stella achieved, which would many consider success, fully booked days and a substantial income. However, she soon realized that after expenses, her earnings were minimal. This eye-opening realization about the industry's flawed pricing and financial management led her to delve deeply into business finances. Stella's vision to revolutionize the hair industry by instilling a mindset of business and financial freedom among hairstylists and salon owners. Her mission is to transform the hairstyling profession from being seen as a hobby to being recognized as a viable and prosperous career. By educating her peers on effective business and financial strategies, Stella aims to help them create sustainable, fulfilling careers without sacrificing their well-being. And I even reading this, I'm like, yes, 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 because I relate to this so hard. So thank yes. you so much for coming here to talk about your story today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited because honestly, it's kind of funny because I've always looked up to you. I, 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 I can't like, digest that when I people tell me that. I'm like, I was like, damn, look at her go. I'm like, she's she's relentless. She just keeps going. She's She shows up every morning. She does the work. She And I'm just like, look at her. So you never know who you're inspiring just by showing up. And that's something that, you know, I think is huge in our industry is just showing up and showing that process of showing up. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that relates to any industry, not even just hair business, because you're right. You don't know who you're inspiring. When you get messages like that, I'm I'm sure even for you, sometimes you're like, did I really make that much of an impact on you? And you might not even know. And there might be somebody who speaks up like this and just shares a little tidbit of what you've done for them. But that probably means there's 10 more who don't say anything. Absolutely. Who just watch what you do. So I, I applaud anybody who kind of puts themselves out there to help and serve and just, you know, bring up the next generation of 
entrepreneurs, hairstylists, you know, anybody really, because you have no idea what you're doing by putting your story out there on the internet. That's so true. And it's also terrifying. It's terrifying. (laughs) And you're like, does anyone really care? Like, why am I posting that I'm at the gym today? Like, does anyone really care? But I have had people reach out to me like, you haven't been at the gym for like three months. Like, and you really inspired me to go. And it was a reminder to go. And every time I didn't feel like going, I saw you and I go, okay, I'm just going to go. Yeah. And so it's like, you never know. Like, those people are just watching and you're inspiring. And like, they're making a change because of you. Right. Like, it's, it's such a great position to be in when you look at that way, you know? It's, it's the reframing, I think, too, because you you get to do something, right? Rather, like, I have to post on Instagram. I have to post on social media. Like, you have an opportunity and a, a place on social media to do so many things and also, at the same time, market your business and make it successful. So it is a privilege to be able to do those things, but I think it's the, the framework we... It's the <laughs> biggest shift you can do for yourself is I get to. I get to, to inspire, teach, motivate. I get to show up for me today. I get to move my body versus I have to go to do this. Right. You know, like that doesn't actually feel good. I, like just saying it, it's like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. like, but I get to show up. Like this morning mm-hmm. I did, I said, you get to move your legs today. There's someone without legs who wishes they can go to the gym today and do a leg workout. So go do it. Yeah. Do it for them. And it's the gratitude, too. I think anything fueled with gratitude is going to get you a lot of places. But I that and the whole imposter syndrome that we had talked about even prior to this podcast, which we'll definitely talk about. But I think that is something that really gets in people's way of the social media thing. But before we even get into that, I, I actually don't even really know a ton of your background story from just a few snippets that I've seen on social media of, you know, you talking a little bit about how Comey Salon was built and, you know, how you've gotten into your position because you have shared a couple of videos of like how it started, how it's going kind of things. And that's always really inspiring to see. But I'm sure there's so much behind even that, (laughs) even even that. And I think it's really important to share. And, you know, people do see people who are successful and dress nice and are beautiful and have a business and like, oh, they're just lucky or must be nice. Luck and it's, ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> and that can be really frustrating <laughs> from somebody's standpoint where you're like, you have no idea what it's taken to get me to sit in this chair. So yeah. I would love to hear a little bit about yeah. your background too. So, you know, my background started like, you know, my parents, like you said, had, you know, immigrated here um, and they really worked hard. Like they were working all the time. But, you know, unfortunately that the different countries and like the work ethic here, it's like, it's not enough to just do hard work. There has to be actual foundation behind that of like good financial mindsets, things like that. So I watched them work hard. My dad always said work really hard. Um, But there was this weird thing about like, you can't like rich people like are not good people. Um, And you know, they're selfish. They've stepped on people's toes to get there um, and all these things. So as my dad's growing up and empowering me and telling me I could do anything I want in my life and work really hard and that's where you're gonna succeed. Um, there was also that little mind, those little things he would say. And so fast forward into my career as a hairstylist, it's like I grinded it out. I was like, oh, I'm gonna be fully booked. I did everything in my pos- I possibly could to become fully booked, whether that was competitive pricing, whether that was just working any shift, any day, anything I could just just to get the client in the chair. Um, I really just, you know, worked hard, but I never thought I could charge 
a rate that was higher than anybody because if so that mindset of like my dad saying like you know rich people aren't good people i was like if i succeed and i charge more and i'm elevating myself then i'm not with the common people and i will like be frowned upon and i didn't want that because i'm a people pleaser i love people and i love making people feel good and happy and i'm like well i won't get that so it's like i worked in my career and i worked to the point where i actually couldn't lift my shoulders up anymore i couldn't round brush and i had to hire an assistant but i didn't know about business financials because my family didn't have financial literacy i didn't um so you know fast forward like i just kept working more because i was also scared to be homeless again like how i was growing up twice and so like i just was like grind 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 and i never stopped to understand what i was doing that i was actually a business owner even as a hairstylist I didn't realize it at the time and I didn't act like it. And so, you know, I kept growing my business, didn't really change my price point much, even though I had all these extra expenses because I was elevating the guest experience because again, wanting people to feel good. And so I was like, let me pour into their appointments, which comes at a huge cost and cost for expenses and time. And so all of this kept rising. I was fully booked. I did the marketing. I did the work for everything. But then I realized one day I did my numbers. I was like, why am I $40,000 in debt when I offer extensions? I work 12 hours a day, fully booked six days a week, bringing in $15,000 a month. And I was like, why am I broke? And then I was like, okay, so I did my numbers, figured it out. And I go, I'm making $7 an hour after being in the industry for eight years. And I was like, something has to change. And so like my story is when I realized that, I made some major shifts in my business and I was surprised to know that most of my clients went with, with, with me. With the elevated price point up, I increased my prices by $100 an hour. Like over two years. That's, that's a big jump. That's a huge yeah. jump, right? <laughs> and I realized that like, wow, no, I am, my work ethic got me to where I was, but my mind had to change. My mindset had to change to become who I was supposed to be so I, I can, can actually serve more. And then I fell in love with educating. And I didn't even know I was a really good educator until I just started doing it, right? And then I was like educating all these stylists and I realized there's such a flaw in our industry. It's like, we love people. We wanna make them feel good, but we don't take ourselves seriously. We don't take ourselves as we should because we do a lot. We are hairstylists first, therapists, <laughs> social media managers now, graphic designers now. We are public speakers now. And these are like mandatory things almost They're, to be successful in the industry. You can, I mean, popular you can, opinion. Yeah, yeah. But I think people should focus on those things before they even focus on their technical skill set as a hairstylist. Because you can be the best talent in the world, but if no one knows who you are and you're not charging correctly, your business probably will close. Whether it's just an independent beauty stylist, you'll leave to go to the the corporate world because you cannot sustain if you aren't marketing for yourself and you're not understanding your business financials. You can't, you will burn out and I've been there. I've been there. Like I, this is my dream. I love doing hair. I love educating. And there's been so many, I can't even count how many times that I've wanted to give it all up because I, I couldn't live anymore. And that's a bad place to be in and it's avoidable. It's 100% avoidable if you focus on understanding your business, your mindset, and 
loving your clients and like pouring into everybody around you in your in your circle. Um, and you can succeed from that. And you don't have to get to that point of burnout if you start from those principles and marketing. Marketing is a huge one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's so hard, too, because you're right. A lot of us in the industry, we are people pleasers. We want to make people feel good. This is part of what we do and why we do it. And when you start feeling like you can't sustain a living from it, how are you? That's a really shitty spot to be in. And I've been there as well. I've um, I've backed out of the industry twice. Yeah, it's hard. I, I get it. You know, the, most of the industry makes less than $30,000 a year. Like, you can't live on that. And working so much. Yeah. You work literally day in, day out, just to get everything you're supposed to get done. It's hard to, I don't know if you've noticed, and maybe not so much anymore now as people are becoming more spoken, like outspoken, not outspoken, but speaking out more about the hair industry and like the changes that need to be made online. But have you ever gone on some of these pages and seen the outpouring of negative comments that hairstylists get about how we're full of ourselves and we char we overcharge and we like, you know, take people's money and everything. And I get so fired up when I read those things because people don't understand exactly what you just explained. They don't understand it at all. The, well, here's, the, here's the disconnect in my opinion, right? Is for so long, hairstylists we have not been taken seriously we get like all the joke it's a joke of yeah. what are you gonna do when you grow up <laughs> what are you oh, gonna be your real career oh my god yes like, i got that my family <laughs> said that to me for years like up until probably five years four mm -hmm. years ago my family's like so when are you going back to college i'm like okay what part of i love this is you're yeah. not seeing until they saw me open the song they're like oh whoa you can't succeed yeah and i'm like it's still not succeeding <laughs> I'm still not there yet, <laughs> you know, but, but that being said, like, this is serious. And unfortunately, because of those things that people keep telling us as stylists, we have doled ourselves. We have been okay with not charging and charging enough, you know, and I think I tell people this all the time is, you know, hairstylist was a hot, was a hobby. It was for the housewives back in the forties and fifties to go meet with their girlfriends, get a little bit of pocket change and have fun. But that's not what it is anymore. No, it's a full-blown career. It's a career. And that mindset has stayed for so long. And now people aren't overcharging. We are barely charged. The overcharge that people think we're charging is actually should be more. And it's shocking when I tell people that. They're like, what do you mean? I go, yeah, the $350 for a balayage is actually still too cheap, believe it or not, with the cost of the expenses and what it takes to run our businesses now. And your time. And your time, and and it's not just your time behind the chair. We don't have insurance. We don't. Ha we're not building that into our costs. But corporates do. They build insurance into the costs. They build in, you know, retirement four hundred one ks. We don't. So in fact, that three hundred dollar balayage that everyone's complaining about that used to be a hundred twenty. It's still not covering those things. So it's like there's going to be this shift, and like people, stylists, the more they realize like this is a career, and people the more that industry is going to elevate together and it's just going to be what the price is like what it should be. Yeah. And what it should be. So, you know, but people can poo poo on it <laughs> all day long. But at the end of the day, we are in charge of making you feel beautiful. Yeah. You walk around with this every single day. Yeah. And that was one thing I explained to a client who I got into an interesting conversation with about this and just trying to help them understand from a hairstylist perspective. But like, 
you know, people will go out and spend $3,000 in a bag really quick to have it sit in their closet and not complain about the price of a Louis because they just know that that is the standard price of a Louis. But when you're talking about premium hair services, which are like at the top of the top of our industry, and you walk around with this mane of hair every single day with every single outfit you put on, but that price is really, really questionable to you. Mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, that's a very easy thing to understand, but I don't think people really think about that. I don't think they do because forever, Louis Vuitton, let's say, has been a high price point. So they don't bat an eye, but right, now that we're making that way. shifts, it's like, what? Mm -hmm. But I think people, if you think about it, there's a person behind what you're getting, a person that is truly caring because I don't know any hairstylists that don't like people right like, you, <laughs> like that's questionable <laughs> I'm like I'm like I mean I think they tend to they start liking people right but then I think over time they get knocked down knocked down and a lot of people don't have that the imposter syndrome of that they don't feel like they're worthy and then they let those clients tell them they're unworthy their and then they don't like mm -hmm. people anymore because you gave your all to these people and hey anyone that's like uh, hair is not worth that much I go okay let me shave your head let me give you <laughs> let me just go boo and tell me that it's not that important to you please because why is there such an industry and why do women focus on more hair like yeah I don't know about y'all but this is my security blanket I, so <laughs> I love my hair like and I'm like honestly and I and I pay full price as a salon owner like my favorite thing to do once a year is go pay full price for a new install and that's three to $5,000. And I do it to humble myself, to remind myself how to be in that client's position. And I do it to also empower another stylist to say, you're worth it, girl. That's why I came to your salon. Yeah. I mean, I humbled myself big time. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. But how do you expect for others to take you to like to pay your prices and do all those things if you don't do it yourself for you? Yeah. Right. It's the truth. If you put yourself in that position, I mean, I've been doing hair for a very long time and I was always in a position where I had someone just to do it for me because that's I, I worked in a salon and then I started working independently when I came back. I'm like, I have no one out here to do my hair. Yeah. And so I'm like, I have to actually go to a salon. You're like, Ooh. that's not mine. <laughs> and not do it at 10 p.m. at night. Like when I have color processing on my friend's hair and mine, I had to actually go do the full service. And actually getting to sit and do that it did remind me how nice it is to actually receive service and that actually is kind of what relit that fire for me because I was like this is actually really nice like I get to I get to do this for somebody else maybe maybe that passion for doing hair actually still is there because I like being able to give someone this experience so it is really interesting when you in your whatever industry you're in like taking yourself out to the box and having yourself experiencing it from a different perspective Oh, it's it's the best thing in the world, to be honest. Yeah, it, you can become so motivated, and and you actually learn so much on what you would love to incorporate and yeah. what you might want to just go. You know what that that little thing I was doing for my clients actually doesn't really matter because it didn't matter for me. Right. And then you get to actually grow in your business and just become a better version of what you want. You yeah, know? it's almost like becoming a student again, like always always learning something. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about how Comey started and or how you wound up into this position now where Comey is a thriving salon? Um, so, you know, I, again, like I just kept, I kept growing my business. I went from an assistant to a commission artist, to a booth renter, to a single suite owner, 
to a double sweetener because I'm like, I needed more space to do like extensions. And then I was like, well, I have an assistant. I need to grow her, you know, because to me as a mentor, like your job is to grow your team. You're not there to use your team. You're not there to, if you're going to become a mentor role, it's for them, not for you. So I've always had that in my head because that's how I wanted to be treated as an assistant. Um, and I've left to salon because I was treated as the help instead of like I'm their student. Um, and so I kept growing my business. Then I went to a double suite, um, then a triple suite. And cause I was like, okay, now I have my, myself, my assistant, she's becoming a stylist and now I need a new assistant, but that assistant's going to grow into a stylist as well. And then we just started outgrowing very quickly. And because I focused on my marketing and I really dove deep into my marketing, um, my business here in Vegas took off. Like no one was doing hand tied hair. You know, maybe there's like two or three when I did it in this town. And, you know, my business took off with the marketing. And then I realized like, okay, like I actually love teaching. Like it actually fills me up more than even doing hair does, which is kind of wild because I love doing hair and I love transforming people. But again, I think that's my purpose in my life is to help people transform their careers themselves, their 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 identity and who they feel like they look like and make them feel beautiful. So transformation has always been the underlying theme of my life, you know? And so I know that that's my purpose. I was a weight loss consultant for a while. I did a fitness competition. You know, you are just like me, I feel like. (laughs) I was like, like, are you describing me? (laughs) Yeah, it's like all the things, like the transformation helping people. So it's like, whether it's a student or a a client, doesn't matter to me. It's, It's that that I love. And so I just, you know, and then I opened the salon, right? And that was a very big pivotal moment for me. Cause I was like, okay, I'll do this. I actually almost did, and we can get into that later if you guys want, but like I literally sabotaged my meeting with the property owner, like, and I went out and I got wasted the night before. I'm just going to go into it because I think people need to hear this, this, because it's true. Like, I don't get wasted. I don't party like that. But the night before I was meeting with the um, property manager of the Gramercy, which is a luxury um, establishment, they were like, how do you as a single suite owner think you are going to pay the rent on this property? I, we want to get to know you a little bit more because we're confused like your little business to, to a huge place. And so I was like, okay, got it. I did it. My husband pushed me. Having good support is great. He was like, you can do this. You can do it. So booked that meeting with her the night before, went out. My husband calls me at 2 a.m. He goes, where the F are you? Because I don't, it was a Wednesday night. This was a Wednesday night and I don't do that. You know, he's like, where are you? And I said, I'm out. I'll be home in a few hours. He goes, what the F? are you doing right now? Because this is the biggest meeting of your life and you're wasted. And I said, I don't, I'm not going to do this. I, I, it's fine. I, they're not going to give it to me anyway. Like, whoa, self-sabotage self has entered the chat. (laughs) Yes. Self-sabotage. And I literally, and he's like, I'm going to come get you right now. And I was like, I'm wasted. There's no way I can do this meeting in the morning. He goes, the hell you're not doing that way. You are walking into that meeting and you're going to handle it because that's who you are. He's like, who are you right now? Is this my wife? Who are you? I was like, I don't know. It's fine. And because I doubted myself because one, I was, I wanted to open a luxury salon. And like I said, it was frowned upon rich people, people who are luxury are, are bad people. So that, that thought was in my head. Like, who are, who are you? This girl that was homeless growing up, had nothing self-made, who do you think you are to open a full-fledged salon, like a storefront? No one in my family has done something like this. And so I sabotaged myself. And 
I made it to that meeting. Somehow, some way, <laughs> I puked after. <laughs> Literally. You know, for so many reasons, I'm sure. <laughs> for so many reasons. Um, and I got the salon and, you know, then my journey came into salon ownership and I was like, I got this. I'm a good educator. And then because I still didn't have enough financial literacy for my next level as a business owner, I almost lost my home. Like I couldn't pay my mortgage. I couldn't do anything. So, and I was like, I, I studied, I hired mentors. I, I own a business because like, I just do, I, I'm, I'm going to go dive in into everything and I'm not going to do it just blind. I like to study. So it's like, I still, there was no roadmap. All the business books didn't help me because salon ownership is, there's no blueprint. It's, it's full of emotional people, creatives, <laughs> like it's, it's a whirlwind. Yeah. Full of people yeah. who don't believe in themselves that they can make this a career and trying to be like, you can come here. This is a career. And they're like, I can't charge that. I've had so many says come on. And then when I tell them that the new talent price point is, and they have to come to that, they go, I'm, that's like, I'm $40 less. I'm like, but you've been in the industry for 10 years. What? That's my new talent, meaning fresh out of school. Like, and they're like, I can't do it. I can't. And then they, they quit before they even get started. And I'm like, so it's such a hard industry. And I found me like succeeding and I found me being able to kind of unlock that like mindset shift for a lot of people. And I learned how to become a salon owner, which I don't think is like a business owner, to be honest, because it's way different. Like, I feel like maybe I don't know the other industries, but it is a lot of of just people things. Yeah, definitely. Is, you know, and then then you're also fighting the stigma of the price point that why are we pricing so much more than every salon in the area? And then so it's like I'm fighting the client, the stylist mindsets and I'm fighting the client mindsets. And then here I am just being like, hey, everyone can do it. You can. You can do this. And these numbers are essential to a thriving business. Like we have to hit these. Everybody else is undercharging. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my journey into like now I want to become a business coach. I want to help salon owners create systems. And then on top of it, being a salon owner, you most of us, including me, are behind the chair a lot. So since when are you going to be the CEO, Stella? You know, like you can't be the stylist and the CEO. You got to be one or the other, really. So it's like in order to make sure that your business thrives. So it's like there's all of these things that like I created systems to make sure that I could gain my freedom back, you know, because it's just a it's literally just like over. It's like Groundhog Day when you're a salon owner. Yeah. If you don't create systems, time and freedom and train the next generation. So that's kind of how I got here. It's just really like, you know, failing on my face. 15,000 times, like even the moments I felt the most confident, the next month I would, I was like, huh, I ha how can I pay payroll? Like, wait, how am I not paying payroll? We're taking in like $200,000. Like what, 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 what are we doing? How can I not payroll, pay payroll this quarter? Like what? But why am I in the negative? And it's just, so, and so you fall on your face so many times, but it's that belief in what you want to do that has kind of got me here. And it's like, no, I have my purpose in life. I know that my purpose to help people see their worth in the hair industry, make people, you know, know that this is a career, like this is not a hobby. And if it's a hobby, please just do it as a hobby. Yeah, like, you need to do know that where that fun. line is. Do it for fun. Take models, take clients. That's your hobby day. But the rest of the week, that's your career. You know, treat it like a career. Yeah. And I think that's really scary for people, too, is to understand and how to process failure and also to understand that not everything necessarily is failure that might feel like 
failure because there's those moments of what you just described and being like, maybe I can't do this anymore. Maybe I'm not good enough for this. Maybe who am I to open up a business? And even what you experienced when you had that meeting, you, you probably even like subconsciously did that to yourself because like you said, you had that that voice in the back of your head that associated with all negative and that like bad money mindset of that it that making money is a bad thing or that you're a bad person for charging expensive prices and I didn't grow up with very much and I always had a bad relationship with money too I always thought money was disappearing that it was not anything I couldn't bring more in I was flat on lining myself at a certain point and you know how would you tell somebody that they're processing fear the wrong way or you know how to process their their failure. So I feel like I would say I love failure. Literally love. I fall in love with it because every time I fail, I grow. And I now through, because I have failed so many times, I'm able to empower other stylists and help them guide them through it. So that's how I tell people like, when you fail, think of it as where can I learn from this? What is this supposed to teach me and how can I apply this moving forward to myself or others? You know, and thinking of it that like literally, if you don't fail, like how are you gonna ride a bike if you don't fall? No one's gonna get on a bike and just go. You're, but if you not want to ride that bike and you wanna participate and be a kid, you're gonna have to fail. So just know that everything that you, every single lesson you learn, it can be applied somewhere else in life and you're supposed to learn it. Like, I don't know about you, but I believe in the next life. So it's like, these are things I'm supposed to do now. I'm supposed to fail now because I'm supposed to help people in this capacity. But in my next life, I don't have to learn these things again. And these are tools. They're tools. Yeah. And whether you believe that or not, whatever you're experiencing now is going to help you at whatever that next chapter is, even in your current life now, too. Yes. There's things that I went through that have nothing to do with this podcast or training <laughs> or I never yeah. even thought I'd be a coach. But I look back at some of the things that I went through and I'm like, holy crap, there was something in that. Like even like my toxic relationship that I thought was literally the end of my freaking life. And that's being dramatic. But that, the worst thing that ever happened to me are now tools that I use to help empower women to become their best selves. And I would have never experienced that unless I had sat in that and unfortunately went through it. But instead of letting that break me and be the end of my world and crush me, I'm like, how can I take these things that I've learned and pass it forward? Mm -hmm. And that's why I relate to you so much because I'm like, I know I'm supposed to help transform people. Mm -hmm. And that's why I can't stop doing hair. That's why I can't stop helping people change their bodies and not in a superficial way, but become your best self. Yeah. And there's always something to learn. Always. And you always just have to lean into that, to be honest. You just have to lean into what am I learning from this? It's not, I mean, it's not easy to fail. It, it sucks. It's, it's the worst thing. It's a gut check for in sure. The world. <laughs> it sucks. And I, I love it. And I still hate it. <laughs> I wish, I mean, I'm like, I, I wish there was like a, like you could say it was a great thing, but it does suck. Yeah. It does hurt. But like also, like you said, if you're resistant to trying new things because of the fear of failure, you're not going to get anywhere anyway. So why not just risk it and see if you might fail? You might not. I think but today, what's the worst that's going to happen? Can you not start over? Are you dead? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, hopefully not, right? Well, that was one, you know, <laughs> one thing you know, you and I had talked about prior to this, and this is I know this is a struggle and it's also a very stuck place to get in your mindset, but being in a position where you know what you need to do to move forward and that does require some money. Let's yeah. just 
make it black and white. You need money to get education, to move forward and to do all these things in your business, but you might not be at a place that you have the money to do so. And that's also a really hard thing to look at when people are like, invest in a coach, invest in this. You need to invest money to make money. What happens to the person who has nothing? Well, I, I am a firm believer that if you want something, there's a way to get it. There is no reason why you can't start Ubering for two hours a day, four days a week for the next year and put every single money that you make from that, even if it's five or 200 into a piggy bank for next year for you to invest in that right coach. Like there's always a way Mm -hmm. you just have to find it. But if like money's the one thing holding you back, then you have time. There's money or time, right? So you have time. So do the little things you can. And there's so many resources online. So many. You just have to find them. You have to dig. You have to dig. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my superpowers. I feel like I will research the hell out of anything. And I will hire a coach when or a mentor when I know that, like, okay, I've reached that. Like, I don't know where I can go from here. Like, But in that process, you're building your skill set. And then you start becoming a little bit more confident in those mm-hmm. things. And then you go okay, even if I can't afford it now, maybe in six months I can, where can I, where can I make a little bit more of that money? There's always ways to make money in this world. Always. Yeah. Like just be willing to do the things. Willing to do the work and push yourself outside that eight hour day at work. Like I always tell people this, if you are working for somebody else for eight hours, what are you doing? When are you working for yourself? You got to work outside that eight hours to get somewhere in this life. Like, we have, we all know things are expensive now. A lot of people aren't making enough to really like make that difference, but you do have your time and that is a currency. And I think people forget that. Yeah. Time is a currency and you can get to where you want to go if you diligently work outside your normal hours that you're working on your business. Yeah. The um, studio owner here, when I was having these conversations with him, when I first started here, he's like, find the back door. And I was like, what? And he's like, find the back door. There's always a back door. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> and I, I was just in that manic state where I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I have no money. I'm trying to start this podcast. Like, what the, why? Like, I don't even know what this is, but something tells me to do it. And just mm-hmm. in that, that state of like chaos, right? Yeah. But I'm like, find the back door. Okay, there's always, there's always a back door somewhere. And, and, that, and that in my mind meant there's always a way yeah. to find it. But you have to be willing to do that. But I think what you said earlier, or just a few minutes ago, about building that confidence in yourself, that has to come with it or you're not going to have the confidence to go find it. And to build the confidence in yourself, you need to do the things that you told yourself you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Because that builds self-trust. That builds confidence within yourself. And I notice that every single time that I lose my confidence, it's because I am not keeping myself accountable to the things I told myself Are I would you do. speaking to me right now? <laughs> I'm like, I was like, I was like, do you Stop. know something about my life? <laughs> no, because it's true. No matter what level, yeah. it's it's about that consistency and the the discipline you give yourself. That's where you earn your trust. You can't have trust without discipline, really. Yeah. Like, you your word is your bond, uh, and I've always said that. I go, you only have your word, but if you only keep it to everybody else, why is everyone else more important than you? Oh. 
right? Yeah. Like <laughs> you are, you need to be number one for you. And it's hard for us to do that. Typically hairstylists, yeah. people pleasers, entrepreneurs, they have a goal in mind. And typically it's not for themselves almost. It's they want to make an impact. The most successful entrepreneurs I've ever seen are the ones that make big impacts, right? Yeah, it's beyond the craft. It's way beyond the craft. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have told me 15 years ago, this is where my career would have taken me, I would have been like, that. no, that's not, that's not going to happen. Um, but again, it's just those reps. It's it's showing up for yourself and, and really making sure that you can trust you. Yeah. You know, that's what you have at the end of the day. Yeah. If you can't trust yourself, that's a very um, uncomfortable place to be. And I only say that because I've been there many times. Because yeah. what I just said, I <laughs> should take my own advice more often. But <laughs> Same, girl. Same. <laughs> but it's it's the truth. And I, I reiterate it because I need to hear it over and over and over again, too. Yeah. It's not like I can you can just learn something and that's you're going to take that for the rest of your life. You fall into complacency. You fall into comfortability. And you get lazy and lackadaisical about things. And even the best people fall into that. But it's the people who can kind of check themselves and be like, oh, I'm not doing what I told myself I was going to do and build that trust back in yourself to do the things. And it's just little things. It doesn't have to be huge. Yeah. It could just be journaling every night. Yeah. Start, start small. Start small. (laughs) You can't just jump right in, but start small, but show up for yourself. Do the one little thing that you told yourself you would do for that day. Yeah. And you'll build your trust and that you really can really take off when you do that. Do you deal with a lot of, or do you notice a lot of females um, specifically struggling with being their own boss and creating their own streams of income because of the dynamic of men potentially making them feel like they shouldn't be doing that? Yes. Like I feel that a lot of times the women that I come across, they typically don't have somewhat a man in their in their court being like, go, babe, go, go. You've got this. You're going to become more successful than me. There's so many ego checks that happen. And a lot of times we also have those pressures of being women and wanting to have kids. And we go, so why are we working this hard? And then we're just like, well, my, I mean, I hear it all the time. Like, so how are you going to do all those things you do and have a kid? Like, so it, those, that's like, okay, so what I'm supposed to depend on my, my husband. Is that where we're going with this? So I built all this for what? So I'm supposed to depend? No. And so women are always having that struggle of like, I can't be a business owner. That is a masculine job. I can't be the one that is always spending and like earning and spending. It's like there is you're supposed to be just a woman and like kind of like kind of go with the flow and not stand up for yourself. And just like I'm it's that a gives weird, me so much anxiety, <laughs> like, right? Like I'm like, no, that's never going to be me, you know. And so it's hard for women to really step into that masculine energy I feel like and that's what I feel like it's about and it's like I have learned that like for the past three years of being a business owner I have tapped so much into my masculine energy that I'm like I'm like I need to be a woman again mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and it's hard for women to tap into it because it's like you also want to meet meet a man and a strong man and you're like but then I can't be strong and it's it, there's just so much power struggle and I think this generation that what we're living in now or this time frame that we're struggling with that power to be honest, of we want to be women and have families, but we also need to provide for our families because a lot of times it's single homes. And so it's hard for women to really try and manage this. Men have just always been entrepreneurs. They've been in that masculine world, the earners, the providers. We are supposed to be the nurturers, but we don't, we can't just nurture anymore. And I think that's where hairstylists going back to that. Mm -hmm. Hairstylists 
we're, we're just nurturers. We were moms who they were, this was a hobby. We were spent to nurture our clients, make them feel good. So where does that masculine of, no, we got to do what we have to do here, come in. And yeah. that's where that resistance is, I feel like. It's so tricky. It's, it's such a yeah, and we've gotten in a lot of podcast debates here about like traditional roles and like some of these like red pill, like really aggressive style men have come in here and had these conversations. And um, their argument is, you know, women putting careers before their families. That I, I can understand, like potentially obviously causing issues, but us trying to defend ourselves as women, and Lana has actually been one of the ones who has been very outspoken about it too, is that same topic of, what do we do when you're a single woman and you have to provide for yourself? Why wouldn't you grind it out and become an entrepreneur and make sure that you're taken care of because that is providing safety within yourself and finding that balance of also wanting like a, a relationship that has like a nice dynamic. That's a really tricky thing for a lot of women and it keeps them small to some level, yes. if, especially if they're potentially with somebody who doesn't allow them to flourish in that business space. That's absolutely true. That's so it's really tricky. But. It is extremely tricky for most women. You know, it really is. I'm very fortunate that I have have a very supportive husband, but I've been in my past relationships. Every single man I've dated, they've like loved the women, like the or like the, the confidence, the entrepreneur spirit of me. But when it comes to the end of the day, they're like, you're never home. You're not, you're not cooking. You're not doing these things like, you know, and then they end up cheating. You know, because you're too busy working on your career to notice them. But it's like, but they're also not allowed. They're also not being the men that are providing the space for me to be able to feel comfortable. And I think that that's a big thing in the men and women gender roles. It's like, but you got to provide that if you want this. But a lot of men aren't providing those things anymore either. But I think there's space for both. I think there is too. And that's why I find that a very important topic to talk about. Yeah, like... There, you can be a woman, you can cook, you can clean, you can be an entrepreneur, you can do it all. Like, why wouldn't you? Why can't you? I just feel like you just have to kind of schedule your life in that way. Like, for me, I'm working this hard so I can have a kid. But I want to be home with that kid at 3 p.m. I don't want someone else raising my child. So I work this hard so I can provide that for my future kid. You know, so I can be home, I can be the wife, and I can run an empire as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think you have to trade one for the other. You just have to manage your time. Yeah, and that's balance. <laughs> that's also teaching yourself all of those things. Yes. And it's also very inspiring, too, because I know there's a lot of women who listen to this podcast who want to be in a position like that or not even this specific position, but be in an empowered position where they can, you know, get to a place where they're independent but can also have really healthy relationships. So I really appreciate you sharing your take on all of that. Of course. Is there anything else you wanted to leave off with today? I know we covered a lot, I and I'm, I've probably talked so to you in another hour. but <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I would say that here's the thing. Behind every successful person, you don't see the failure, the crying. I can't tell you how many times I've cried in the past year and, like, what am I doing? Like, I've failed. I've succeeded. I failed. Like I was at the top and I'm at the bottom again. And I'm at the top. Entrepreneurship as a woman is really hard. It's very emotional. And you don't see those highlights. You only see the highlight real. You don't see the downs of the doubt and the imposter syndrome. And the world, it feels like it's against you sometimes as a woman because you're like, why am I doing this? I just want to be a mom. Well, because I have something, I want to make an impact and I'm here on, I have a purpose in this world. And so 
those are moments you when you fail all the time because let me tell you you fail all the time i would say weekly there's something you mess up and you have to pick yourself up with your with your why your purpose and know that every behind every single person you see succeeding there's way more failure than there is succeeding and there's way more dark days than there is light days but they become fewer and fewer when you believe in yourself and you keep going, getting back up. I'm just getting emotional even thinking about it, honestly, because it's you You have to remind yourself of your purpose and why you're here and why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, I think so. I think that was so well said, too. Your why is the most important thing, and it'll always come back to that if you can really, like, figure out what that is and remind yourself of that on a daily basis, especially when you're in those dark moments, because that's going to be your light out of those dark moments for sure. The only little light, even yeah. if it's a light this big of a, a pinhole, flashlight. little <laughs> pinhole, you know, it's a light and you just keep going towards that light. Yeah. Awesome. You know? Well, congrats on all of your success. I can't wait to see all of the things that come from Comey and all of the education and just all of your business and leadership. And so thank you for sharing all of that. Thank you for having of me. Of course. And I know I can speak for both of us. If you guys have any questions on any of the topics that we covered, I'm sure Stella's inbox is open. My inbox is open. If you guys have any questions, feel free to message either of us or the Sticky Paws or Fearless as Fuck Instagram pages. And we'll see you guys next time.